it is, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to help you out the best way we know how, by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes, pushing you on, motivating you, maybe distracting you a little bit. With gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, Molecule. Molecule brings the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games, and there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, Slash nemesis. The guy who always blames it on the rain. Yeah, yeah. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Uh yeah, it's it's uh LA raining, which means if my internet stops working, it that's a hundred percent why, Jeff. And you know that mm-hmm. my house is going to fall apart. Like LA is beautiful, and then like two drops of water fall out of the sky, and and we are um, gremlins, you know. Right. <laughs> Not because you're going to play Fortnite season eight. You're you are. It's the rain. That's hey. Like, that's your official story. That's what you're sticking with. So we're recording this early. It's Saturday, and I tweeted it out. I jump back into Fortnite first game, Victory Royale. You know what I mean? So just back off. <laughs> so now you're retiring yes. forever. I played three games, and now I'm done again forever. <laughs> Hey guys, we have an awesome show for you this week. I am so excited. We got tons of news to talk about. We got games galore. Uh, maybe a game of the year contender already here in early March for me. Uh, so much to talk about. And we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Distinguished Leisure Citizen. Because we have one of the Game Awards Global Gaming Citizens, as well as the COO of the wonderful charity Able Gamers, Mr. Stephen Spawn joins us for the first time. Hey, Stephen. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? You know, I can't complain. I didn't get any Fortnite wins today, so I feel like I'm a little <laughs> bit behind the curve. But Well, I, I, I will just say that it is a... 80% chance that Christian was playing with all bots and you just didn't know it. No, so. I, I was playing on Switch, but please know this is my second ever. So like it's, you know, it's uh, pretty much an everyday thing for me. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we got a lot to talk about. So let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, that's 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or by sending us an email. We uh, love hearing from you over at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Stephen, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your Story of the Week? Oh, that's that's absolutely hands down going to be the borderland three possible reveal mm, yes we got we i mean this is uh, i think still in rumor territory but it seems pretty solid uh, does it i feel like every event this is the rumor i hope <laughs> i hope it i hope it's true this time <laughs> well gearbox uh gearbox came out before e3 last year and put a kibosh on anybody thinking that borderlands 3 was going to be revealed at e3 so 
they have a history of squashing rumors when they get too prevalent. <laughs> and this one has been running wild for a few days now. And they have been stoking it. So Gearbox uh, has been uh, tweeting and kind of teasing stuff and getting people pumped about their PAX East panel, which they say, quote, will be your opportunity to get a behind-the-scenes look at Gearbox Software and Gearbox Publishing, along with the latest news and updates from the makers of Borderlands. <laughs> First right there, Battleborn, Brothers in Arms, and more. We will have never-before-seen reveals, exclusives, and surprises, so don't miss out. So, Stephen, it sounds like you are a Borderlands fan. Uh, what are you hoping to see from a Borderlands 3 if, if it happens? You know, I absolutely loved the Borderlands 2 entire feel, the just the aesthetic of how they not only do the visual representation, the the storylines are always the best. I I had been running around yelling plot twist for like a year <laughs> after I played that. <laughs> it was yeah. so good. I, I love the fact that they interject so much humor into such a dark title. Uh, just in general, the whole feel of it. But uh, I was so excited when uh, I saw one of the rumors, I believe coming out of VG247, saying that whatever they're announcing will be released this year and i was like oh please pull a respawn please just be like and it's out tomorrow play it <laughs> that would be pretty rad um yeah i mean the, the one that you mentioned the visual style which is very uh you know very specific to boulder lands that is the one thing we have seen right we had um last gdc randy pitchford came out and showed what he repeatedly kept saying was not a video game just a tech demo but it was clearly the next gen tech that they were using for borderlands 3 and it looked really cool. I mean, it's that same pseudo cell shaded look that we all know from the Borderlands franchise. But which is also just a quick note. Remember when that wasn't the look of Borderlands? Remember very yeah. very first Borderlands when it was like Gears of War meets Red Faction, maybe like mm. style. Well, yeah, Borderlands was shown at E three like three times, to- three different E threes, and I remember covering it for the Totally Rad Show. And we were excited about Borderlands when it was looking like, uh, you know, yeah, very realistic shooter. So. Um, but yeah, it's become iconic that that look, and it looks like they're using new techniques, at least based on that tech demo that they were showing, uh, to make it even more vivid and detailed within that sort of comic book, you know, art looking version that we know. Uh, so that is exciting. Steven, do you think, do you think they need to add anything new to the formula to change up Borderlands three to make it, or is it just like, give me more, give me more? No, no, I'm absolutely certain that they're going to drop 100 characters onto an island and they're all going to have to fight. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I really wish that they'd be like, congratulations, Borderlands 3 is now an MMORPG. That'd be fantastic. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they'll I think they'll stick with the formula that works. Uh, I think that the industry has largely recognized that that sort of dark in-and-out comic book humor style is theirs and if you've noticed like no other game has really tried to tap into that same walking the line feel so uh i'm kind of i'm thinking they're going to stick to what they know works and they're going to try to do more over the top maybe introduce a few more characters the one complaint i did hear about too was that you sort of had to be the run and gun and drink life support kind of uh character there was no way to be a support class so maybe they'll add in something for some more play styles but overall i love it i love the way they do their keys the way they hand those out over social media and stuff i think that's very interactive so i think they've got their hand on the pulse of what works yeah i i i could get very excited of it just being more of the same as well but you you make 
you know, you make a joke about the uh, battle royaleness of it, but I could I could imagine a a Borderlands battle royale where you land on an island and it's just guns everywhere instead of it being like scarce and you have to find weapons. It's just like covered wall to wall. You just land on a pile of weapons uh, and be like, that's how we're doing it in Borderlands. Be, I'll just be like Scrooge McDuck just diving into the weapons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Christian, we have Far Cry New Dawn. We have Rage 2. We have Fallout. We have Metro. We are sort of post-apocalypse uh, out here. We're, we're we, you know we're drowning in post-apocalypse. Is there room for Borderlands in your heart? More Borderlands, especially if it's this year. I think there is room for more Borderlands. I'm uh, my heart is guarded. I'm I'm not sure if this is Borderlands. Like I part of me is like this is going to be a brother in arms. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's what they've been teasing. You know? <laughs> Yeah, we got more Battleborn. That's what you wanted, right, guys? Or, or Battleborn is redone to be more like Apex Legends, right? Like, it was close, but not quite. Like, I I don't trust, because that we're going to get Borderlands 3. I hope, I hope, I hope. But the, the last time the rumors were out, it's like, yeah, this, that, and the other. And then it was Borderlands 2 VR, which is, like, fine. But that's like, you know, your uncle's going, like, look at this $20 bill. It's new. It's shiny. It's crisp. And you're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And he's like, sure, here's a quarter, kid. Get out of here. And you're like, well. <laughs> What happened? But I think – I honestly think they know what they're doing. It it clearly from the reporting that we got after E3 was almost an E3 reveal. <laughs> so the game seems like it was close, right? And then yeah. they decided not to at the last minute. So it feels like timing-wise it makes sense. It feels like if the drumbeat of, of Borderlands 3 was happening, they would you know, come out and say no like they did last time. I'm I'm hopeful this time. I think this is I think this is going to happen. Yeah, I I think it'd be awesome. I and I think there is room for more Borderlands because nothing has done it. I think like Stephen said, nothing has really done it the way they they did it. Even you know OG Destiny when it came out, it, it was like oh it's got Borderlands like the numbers flying off people kind of thing that MMOs have done for years. But when Borderlands brought that and Borderlands two up the ante, every other game kind of gets paired to that uh, compared to that. Um, and the way you mentioned the way they deal out weapons throughout the game in such fun, creative ways where you're constantly leveling up. Um, it's a franchise that many have emulated, but few have uh, successfully copied or um, mm. exceeded. And so I, I'm curious to see Gearbox, what they can do, because I think that is one of the hardest parts about making Borderlands 3 is Borderlands 2 is almost perfect. You know, like, how do you what do you do is just more of I know they did the pre-sequel, and that was kind of just more of the same, and it felt a little flat. Um, it's it's uh, big shoes to fill. Yeah. Yeah, but it remains to be seen. Uh, PAX East coming r- right around the corner, so we will we will know more in just a couple of weeks. Uh, I remain hopeful. Christian, what is your story of the week? I mean, the story of the week, there's other things I want to talk about, but the story of the week has to be, it has to be Pokemon Gen 8. Sword and Shield were announced with the shortest Nintendo Direct I think I've ever seen. I was like, let me get my cereal ready. Oh, it's over? I missed it? Let me watch the replay. Um, But official reveal of Sword and Shield coming out late 2019, which I'm guessing is like what? It's pre-Christmas, December 20, something like that, after Thanksgiving, but before Christmas in that little window. They're a fall game. They're a big fall release. Um, uh, Beautiful graphics, I think. They showed a lot of pre-rendered footage, kind of the trailer, but they showed a little bit of the world and the map, and it looks like random battles are back. We got three new starter Pokemon. But you were so excited that random battles were gone. 
No, I said I en- I really enjoy that random battles are gone and the way Pokemon Let's Go plays because the capture mechanic is totally different. So having random battles with that type of capture mechanic, I think would be problematic because in Let's Go, you're throwing the Pokeball the way you do in Pokemon Go to capture your various Pokemon and you're not needing to memorize the rock, paper, scissor mechanic as much in Let's Go. But in traditional Pokemon games, I think that random battle element is very important to have you stumble upon battles because you need to be forced, at least I, I should say I, <laughs> need to be forced to memorize uh, you know, who does better over who and what type over what type. And so you're building and building and building and grinding so that then when you get into the important battles, you're you're ready to go and you get to a gym or whatnot. Um I think it looks awesome. I'm super excited. I'm already on Team She uh Team Sword. I don't know why, uh, but I like <laughs> I like Team Sword. And I'm I'm Grookey. I'm all about that uh grass type monkey Grookey. The other one is Score Bunny and the water type Sobel. And I think they're all they're all cute characters, and it's it's real. Nintendo looks like they have a heck of a 2019, and uh, yeah, I'm curious, Stephen, if if uh, Sword and Shield kind of rocked your world, or it just seemed like more of the same. I think, unfortunately for me, um, Nintendo has just repeatedly let me down as a as a disabled gamer. Um, you know, they they put up so many barriers to entry for someone who needs accessibility concerns. Um, I'm I'm hesitant, you know, um, when we had the multiplayer Pokemon, you know, you, you had to get out and run around and, you know, uh, I had to repeatedly tell people, uh, who follow me that you know, there's, there's ways around it. I can't tell you how to hack a game, but you can get out there and, and play, <laughs> play the map. Um, you know, and with the new let's go, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking to see that the only way that you could really throw the ball was to pick up the device and, and move it around. Um, so I'm I'm worried. I'm worried that they're not going to learn any lessons. They're still not really talking to people like myself, accessibility people. You know, uh, able gamers. The company I work for. It's it's you know, it's sad because Nintendo Pokemon is such an amazing title. I love Eevee. Best Pokemon ever. Fight me. Um, I, I agree. I'm on the same side. There's no fight. <laughs> there right, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I I hope that they learn some lessons, and I hope that uh, they allow more people to get in there and and enjoy this this kind of atmosphere because Pokemon is is iconic. I, I don't think there's any way you can deny that. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that's something that Nintendo has ignored uh, or not been open enough to because you feel like Nintendo of all companies uh, with their you know, wholesome nature and wanting to be as inclusive as they can to so many people, this being a blind spot for them, it doesn't make much sense and is really disappointing. So, yeah. Um, I think Nintendo is slow on the uptake for a lot of things though, right? I think they do what they're going to do and they talk about their blue ocean strategy, but that was their blue ocean strategy. And if you look at online gaming or kind of any trends that other companies are maybe doing, I think Nintendo is, is slow to adopt those and and slow to change from what they think they need to do and i think it's problematic it has been problematic for for years and it continues to be which is unfortunate because their characters are so iconic and it 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 stinks when they're not you know you can't play online (laughs) Uh, the way you can anywhere else so it's so weird too because um little known fact uh, nintendo was actually the first to come up with a controller for people with disabilities oh is that so yeah, yeah, there was an apparatus that they had for the original NES that you could put around your neck and you could operate the controller with your mouth. And it was it was great. Uh, it was expensive for the time, um, you know, 
$800 or so in our currency today, but you know, with inflation and whatnot, but, um, you know, it was, it was ahead of its time and, and it was so great. And, uh, you know, I just think that there's ways that you could include Pokemon for everybody by pushing a few buttons without making it uh, less fun for those who like, you know, trying to throw the ball expertly with a curve and a spin and three yeah. top hats or whatever you have to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I thought you were going to make a joke about Robbie the robot. <laughs> I don't think Robbie was accessible. <laughs> uh, no, not, not so much. <laughs> um, I, another aspect of this that I, I think is interesting to, to bring up is that we just got a Nintendo Direct. I mean, it was just a couple of weeks ago that Nintendo laid out a whole bunch of games for 2019 and uh, was, you know, sort of uh, had this compendium of of big announcements. And here we are not too much late, later, and here we have the official Pokemon Sword and Shield announcement. I think they're changing up the cadence of how these things can be announced and publicized and um you know the they don't have to wait for big tent poles to make announcements they can do it at their pace whenever they want they don't care that it was just a couple of weeks ago they announced a bunch of other things they they didn't feel the need to put pokemon in that announcement because they can just do another one whenever they feel like it i think we're just in a different paradigm now and i i find it interesting and i just wanted to highlight that i think it's an an interesting place to be for the industry. Yeah, I guess that's one area where, <laughs> as I said, they're slow to adapt. Um, <laughs> where Nintendo has very much been ahead of its time, right? Ahead of the curve in terms of how they present their information, when they get it out, and how they do things. And I, I'm curious to see how Sony does or does not follow suit, especially as we get closer to E3 and and how that shifts this marketing landscape going forward for the rest of 2019. Yeah. All right, so my story of the week, uh, I'm excited about this Dune news. Uh, we got we got news this week that Funcom, uh, makers of a lot of different games, including the Conan, uh, the latest iterations of Conan games, including Conan Exiles, uh, is signed on with Legendary Studios to make games based on the Dune franchise. In fact, at least three games on PC and consoles the first of which will be an open-world multiplayer title. Which is just chapter one of the book, by the way. It's a whole game, but it's still just the first chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As a fan of the Dune book and the old movie, mostly, uh, and, you know, knowing that we're getting a new Dune movie from Denis Villeneuve, who, like, just hits home runs. That guy's amazing. Uh, with a cast that is unbelievable. Just the the more news I hear about this Dune project, the more I'm like, this thing is going to be incredible. I think Dune is going to sort of resurface as a major sci-fi franchise, although they've just entered pre-production on this game. So it's not like the game is going to hit when the movie hits in 2020. It feels like the game is several years out, but um, I don't, I don't know. What do you think, Steven? Do you think uh, Funcom is the right people to, to handle Dune? Are you a Dune fan? What do you hope to see from a Dune game? I think Funcom has done such an excellent job at those kind of, legacy titles where you know you're you're sort of wondering oh no how are they going to handle conan the barbarian how are they going to handle dune i think they've done well i think they do their research on uh you know what the fans are going to enjoy i think they're good at catering to various audiences and not chasing the 
flavor of the month, you know, uh, we joked about battle royales either, you know, we're not going to drop a hundred worms onto an island to try to fight them. Um, well, I might play that. That sounds kind uh, of cool. Yeah, second thought, maybe that would be a good idea. <laughs> Got to get the spice. Right. Yeah. Fun comms, you're listening to us. We all get a percentage. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's, I think it's going to be great. Um, do, do you think it's the, is it the massively multiplayer part that's uh, got you so intrigued? Well, it's you know I think open world multiplayer title is open to interpretation. I don't I don't know exactly what that means. It feels like every game now is kind of an open world multiplayer title. So you don't I don't know is that is that a Destiny Anthem style? Is that uh, like a full MMO? Is that a survival game a la Conan? You know what exactly is that? I I, I remain hesitant because. Uh, there's a spectrum in there where I'm excited and a spectrum where I'm less excited. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, like I said, I think this is going to be many, many years out. We are probably three or four years away from seeing what, what this game is. If it's soon, it's a Conan reskin, right? Like that's my yeah. gut. If it's soon, I think they not, a, not reskin. I don't mean to be that dismissive, of it, but it's taking a lot of those learnings. And I think there's a cool Dune game based around some of the mechanics in Conan that could be extrapolated out and, and built into a world that is, desolate and and difficult in its own ways right um or yeah maybe it's several years out and and they're building things you know from the ground up but i I, i'd imagine there's a place where some of the technology from their games out right now make their way into this thing i just i feel like dune is a little bit more cerebral a sci-fi property that i just don't want to be running around blasting stuff all the time you know i would like it to be a little political, perhaps be a little uh, on the trading side of thing. You know, that's really what that universe means to me is the, it's more uh, machinations than it is just, you know, running around with blasters, destroying stuff. Mm, a little bit more, a little bit more detail, a little bit more context and content. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. You know, I, I think the easy way out would just be, you know, like you said, sort of lots of, lots of, uh, sand and guns. <laughs> what if but it I, ends I up being like Eve, but uh, <laughs> you know, like not in space in the in the same way, where that, that is just wild. trades, trading, political, massively multiplayer spreadsheets. <laughs> I mean, there's something cool about that. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I like Eve. I, I tell you what, I I take flack for it every time I mention it, but I like that game. I wish I wish it was more popular in the audience than it is, but. Uh... You know, yeah, it really boils down to math and spreadsheets. That's true, but I I like the attempt at the scope they made, and I, I'm keep hoping that they're gonna try. It would be neat to see a Dune universe that is that deep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, any game that that's deep that is that deep is immediately interesting to me. And doing that in the Dune universe, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd give that a shot for sure. Even though I don't play Eve, so I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. But I'm an, it's super intimidated by Eve. But maybe that's because. I mean, I think there's a little bit like of a way in when you already know the IP and you can be like, well, I like Dune. I have a basic understanding of how Dune works. Maybe maybe that could get me into a game like even and, and wouldn't be as quite as intimidating. I don't know. I love right. the stories that come out of Eve and I am so scared to death to ever play it. I have a family to think of. I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally true. Please don't make a game that takes my life. No. <laughs> <laughs> Another game that takes my life. Yeah. Um, all right, a couple of other news stories that I think would be interesting to talk about. First of all, Christian, I know you put in uh, into our uh, our outline here that uh, we may know the Last of Us 2 date. 
Yeah, I saw this from friend of show, uh, Anthony Taraminas. I don't think he wrote the story, but I, I saw it over on Game Rant. So hello, Anthony. Uh, hello, Game Rant. And it's like a Peruvian retailer, Law Gamers. They have a promo image that, in my opinion, it looks like they made. Um, that It shows an October 2019 date. Um, oh, come on. I doubt. I called doubt. I don't me, know. I, yes. I, uh, I, composer. I don't know. Academy Award winning composer who does the score for for what isn't it bear no it's like goose uh come on brain <laughs> it's not bear it's goose all we care about is bear mccready anyway so that's fine mccready not mccready bear mccready it's not bear, it's, bear McCready. it's mccready it's fine gustavo santala santala cool it's a composer yeah, he's great just like Incredible. i said goose he's yes like i said he he has said something like it's coming out soon but like what does that mean but a composer saying coming out soon and then maybe an October 2019 release date. Maybe, but I also feel like if it was October 2019, they'd be at E3 this year. It's just a little, a little thing, but I wanted to highlight it because a boy can dream, you know, PS five launch title. That's what's happening. PS five launch title. I don't know. There's not the install base. They don't care. That's going to make the install base. That's what they want. Anyway, I I think that uh, Peruvian retailer might be hopeful, and they're just putting stuff in the catalog. Uh, but who knows? It could happen. Stranger things have happened. I'm telling you, it's you know we 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 touched on it through almost every story that we've talked about. I honestly think we're reaching a point where the press cycle of two to three years out, starting the hype machine, is is going away. I think we're going to start seeing the, the press cycle be six months or less. I think you're going to see more respawn apexes that just, done, we're done with the game. Here you go, go play it. Because especially in our Twitch culture, I think it just pushes games better than this hype machine. And I say bravo. I say bravo. Bring on that reality. I'm ready for the let's not talk about it until it's almost done it, it avoids all of the, you promised this, you sent us, you put out a <laughs> screenshot where puddles are shinier than these puddles. It's like, it, it avoids all of that because you get to market the game that's basically done. Or like in the case of Apex, you let the game speak for itself and you say, hey, we made something great. Here it is. I, yes, I, I I welcome our new immediacy overlords. <laughs> right? There's there's a game called Crowfall that I've been waiting for for like nearly four years now. It's almost become a joke because our entire group of friends was like, this is going to be a maze sauce. It's going to be so spectacular. And then the next year, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to come out this year, right? Oh, oh, wait, no, no, it's not. All right. Yeah, the the amaze sauce slowly over time starts to coagulate and get <laughs> get, get less delicious. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm ready for that though, guys. Well, so we don't know about uh, Last of Us Two, and I'm reluctant to bring this up, but it has been a big part of video game news over the week. If you've been paying attention, you know that THQ Nordic really stepped in it this week in, in a really befuddling, baffling, stupid way. Uh, they decided to do an Ask Me Anything uh, with a website that is just the worst place in the world, um, 8chan. And uh, there's been a lot of reporting on this. There, uh, there's been apologies that seem sort of from my perspective a little disingenuous based on uh, claiming that they didn't know what this website was all about when some of the other – Or based on their it. actual replies and posts 
yeah. on the website while the AMA was happening. You can't be like, we didn't know what we were. Oh, we didn't know. And then their replies and they're like, ha, 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 we're on your side. I'm, I'm exaggerating. But like, you can't have your cake and eat it, too, unless it's your birthday and you made your own cake. So the long and the short of it, from my perspective, is they decided to court an audience that I don't even think there's a perspective where you can say these are reasonable humans. This is a place that people go to be unreasonable. This is a place people go to trade in, discuss, and revel in the worst parts of humanity. And uh, I believe in freedom of speech, and it's certainly within their right to go and have these kinds of discussions in a public forum. It's not a place that I would ever visit. It's not. They don't have the right to have all of the conversations they're having. Well, freedom of speech has limits. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, violence, harm, uh, por- underage porn. Um, that you're not allowed to do. No, no. That that exceeds. Uh, former lawyer, no longer practicing. Blah blah blah. That's beyond a First Amendment issue. Um, I don't think we need to. I I, I don't want to push on it on anyone else. I'm not going to hedge here. No, you you don't get to have that. I'm sorry. Um, no one's going to fight me for liking Evie, but people will fight me on this. But I'm I, willing to draw that line. I wanted no. to present it as a given. The given is this is a terrible place. I, I really don't think there's an argument to be made where it's not terrible. And uh, the idea that THQ Nordic would seek to uh, market themselves to this audience specifically it just feels like a really bonehead move, a dumb PR from, from a PR strategy, but also uh, kind of a despicable act. If, if these are the people that you're hoping to court to play your games and you're want, you want to play to them, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so it really lowers my opinion of a, a publisher and a developer that I thought had been doing some really interesting, fun stuff in the last, you know, acquiring cool IP and doing some interesting things. It really lowers my opinion of them. Um, Steven, uh, do you have any response to this story that, that kind of blew up this week? You know, I am a charity runner, you know, second in command of, of a very large international charity. Even though I'm here as a person, my name is always synonymous with uh, my charity. And so I always have to be careful about, lightning rod subjects i think that they're the people who were running the pr department uh dropped the ball i think that uh i i don't want to speculate on whether or not they knew what they were doing and they did it anyway or whether or not they you know just thought they could pull a fast one that's that's not for me to speculate uh i am sad at the apology the non-apology um in this day and age with hyper information everywhere on the internet it's really, really hard for me to believe that someone who is the marketing director of any company, let alone a large company, just doesn't know about the place that they're about to go. I mean, I never personally accept an invite to do any AMA, let alone even this podcast, without doing my research on what kind of place is it. You know, I'm I'm not going to go support somewhere that I wouldn't support normally. So, you know, uh, I think uh, I think that. That excuse was kind of weak, and they could have done that a lot better by saying, we messed up, yep, sorry, instead of this. I, I had no idea. That's so weird. What 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 a weird place. I don't know. It's it's not good. It just means you're bad at your job. <laughs> if, if you had no idea, then you just didn't do your job well. Uh, and yeah, 
as many people have pointed out, uh, Philip Brock, who is the uh, PR and marketing director at THQ Nordic, uh, put out a statement that said, I am not a white supremacist nor into child pornography. So anytime you need to say that publicly to clarify anything, you messed up. Uh, if you feel the need to make those statements because there's some ambiguity about those points, you're already really in the wrong. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you, I think uh, Washington Post had a good write-up of it and Polygon, I think it w- went up today or yesterday. They also have a good write-up. So if you want to read more about it in a safe place or you know not go to 8chan uh i want to recommend going there um but i think polygon and and washington post did a good job writing it up and i'm sure you can find it um other places as well but it's yes it's it's one of those things that i feel like uh, video games have come a long way and things like this um you know paula abdul put it best right um two steps forward i take two steps back it's um you know what's that old saying we have here in texas you, you f- fool me fool me once ah um shame shame on what i'm saying is I, I don't like to be fooled remember that george bush quote that was funny um you you made a reference to the late 80s and then to correct it to make it more relevant yeah we did all the way up to the early 2000s hey so, dude uh, i'm nothing if not an enigma inside uh edward enigma um <laughs> It's 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 problematic, and I I think it's super problematic that this uh, yeah uh, I don't I don't need to belabor the point, but it's problematic and it sucks that it happened. And I too enjoyed what the publisher seemed to be doing, um, publishing wise in the games they were making, and this sucks. So I hope what they've said externally is one thing, but hopefully internally they figured this crap out. <laughs> it's 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 a thing I, I don't understand. Uh, I will say about our our industry in general, just why are why as as a people are we so bad at apologizing like yeah there are so many things that if we would just be like yep messed up and then acknowledge it apologize move on it would it wouldn't even be a story but every single time all the all i mean we're only three months into 2019 and there's already a (laughs) dozen of these we can talk about where people are like i don't know what happened it's like uh yes you do just you know, admit you messed up. Like no, I was hacked. Is, yeah, I was hacked. My brother did it. My dog ate my homework. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm not saying that everything is excusable. I, I but I am a big proponent. If you read my Twitter, you know I am very big into the listen. We all grow. We have to have room to grow. Sometimes we mess up, so it's okay to make a mistake as long as you're apologetic for it and don't try to throw other people under the bus. But Man, these trash fires keep happening where people are like, it wasn't really my fault. You see, the planets were aligned and I was not in my right mental state. <laughs> so well said, Stephen. That's why you're a global citizen of gaming. That's, uh, <laughs> that is that. No, very well said. And I agree wholeheartedly. All right, let's move on. And uh, we got to thank our first sponsor. Well, we got to thank our sponsor, Molecule. New sponsor. Um, Molecule is a complete reinvention of what an air purifier is. It's not just an improvement on existing technology. It is, this is a new kind of air purifier. And I have to admit, I did not know how a big a deal air purifying was in my life uh, for far too long in my life. Uh, But now that I have kids and I understand uh, that I live in Los Angeles, where the air is uh, terrible, uh, and I see my kids, you know, coughing and wheezing at night, 
And I have doctors that I go to, my kid's pediatrician, who says, uh, you should maybe use an air purifier. This molecule is a completely new approach. Um, this was developed by a scientist who suffered from asthma and who was frustrated by the fact that HEPA air purifiers didn't relieve his own son's symptoms. So he spent 20 years developing a completely new way of removing indoor air pollutants. And uh, molecule, what it does is it replaces 70 years of antiquated technology. Uh, it, it's a, a breakthrough in science that's fully capable of destroying air pollutants at the molecular level. So it has this PICO technology that goes beyond the HEPA filtration. It doesn't just capture pollutants, but it destroys the full spectrum of indoor air pollutants, including those 1,000 times smaller than a HEPA filter can trap. Uh, this is really important for people that suffer from asthma or have allergies. And uh, one customer of, of Molecule said that they were able, she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. It's pretty awesome. It's a, it's a clean design with high quality excellence. They call it the apple of air purifiers. It's really cool. Uh, and um, this can transform the way you sleep. It was backed by the EPA. So, you know, it's don't just take my word for it and was extensively tested by third parties and, and verified. So molecule is uh, a really important thing. I think if you want to sleep better, especially if you have asthma, uh, it might be a, a great thing for you to look into. And it has been effective and verified by science, but most importantly, tested by real people. They, uh, they have already helped allergy and asthma sufferers around the country better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. It's pretty cool. So for $75 off your first order, visit Molecule.com. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. And at checkout, enter DLC. Again, Molecule.com and the promo code DLC at checkout get you $75 off. It's pretty cool. Sleep better, breathe better, Clean your air with Molecule. All right, talk to, time to talk about the games that we have been playing. And Stephen, you brought up a game that uh, neither Christian nor I have really played, but uh, we've heard a lot about, and that is hmm. Dead by Daylight. You said you have yeah. been playing quite a bit of it. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's my new guilty pleasure at the moment. Um, Especially with my uh, my personality is is always the ultra positive and uh, really just trying to shine out that light of, of always being upbeat and yet I enjoy going and murdering things. It's it's, <laughs> a, it's I I like killing survivors. Um, it's it's very cool. Um, I like the game format. I like the way that they sort of took that. Uh, y'all remember Evolve and what a disaster that was. Um. You know, they, they they really tried with a good idea, and uh, behavior just came out and did it better. You know, one one person versus four people who are trying to survive. It it's it's just uh, one of those things that just doesn't seem to go away. It's actually like four years old now, and they just keep it fresh with new content all the time. Yeah, it, there was a period there where it felt like these asymmetrical multiplayer games were going to be like the new hotness. You know, Evolve was coming out, and it felt like there were like two or three other games that we're all jumping on this bandwagon and you don't really see that much anymore. I mean, battle Royale has taken over the world, of course, but um, it's interesting to see these 
this game that came out in 2016 is still enduring. People are still playing it. People are still passionate about it like you. Uh, wh- what do you think about the way they handled this formula that seems to work? You know, I think the important part that behavior focused on was, number one, they understood that no one wants to feel ganged up on. And that was, I think, the problem that Evolve fell to is that when I know personally I felt this way and people I played with felt this way. You hated to be the monster. It was not fun. Yeah. You were hunted down. It was a, not a fair scenario. The monster was not overpowered. It could barely fight one person, let alone four. Uh, it was designed so that the people, the four players, would have more fun than the monster. The monster became a chore. Now you have this game that's, you know, it's not like Friday the 13th. It's not like Evolve. It's where if if you're the killer, you have just as much fun as people trying to survive. And the so the survivor gets the fun of being with friends and the person alone gets the fun of being overpowered and murdering. And it's, you know, you know, it, it's it's that that balance is right. I think they're doing really good with that. And um and like we were talking about off air too. I know you both felt passionately about this. Uh the the Twitch culture. The uh the behavior is is embracing streamers and not on like a Fortnite by all the popular streamers level. Love you Fortnite. Um but at the same time, uh, they're just—they're all streamers. Every single behavior person who's in the front lines is also a streamer. They stream their own game. They play their own game, and I think it's really cool to see a studio that's that invested in something that we all care about, which is just playing video games. Yeah, it's a great point. That's a great point. Um, so it sounds like you prefer being the the killer. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely a, a main killer kind of person. Unfortunately for me, it's it's an accessibility concern. One of the things with the uh, being a survivor is you have to tap the space bar like repeatedly and quickly. And it's not something that is within my realm of possibility, so I just stay away from it. But even said, you know, I I love that uh, aesthetic. I love the way that it's not super scary, super spooky. It's just fun. And there's a couple of people that don't like to watch me play it who do like me and like my, my community, but uh, and they don't support murdering games, which is okay. Uh, but for the most part, people are like, eh, it's fine. It's it's a good game. Is it, I mean, for a while there, um, streaming culture kind of uh, uh, embraced Friday the 13th, which was a game similar like to that uh, because it created these kind of humorous, you know, ridiculous over the top moments, especially paired with its numerous uh, bugs and glitches. Uh, does dead by daylight kind of maintain a serious tone or is there some humor with all of that stuff as well? Uh, you know, uh, the, the good thing about dead by daylight is that it's sort of one of those make what fun you have out of it games. You know, you, you, I, there's, there's streamers out there who don't kill they just run around and you know slap some survivors and then carry them around and they dance and <laughs> they make cool little graphics on their stream and they just have fun with it uh and then there's other streamers who are just like oh, i'm gonna murder everything and haha let's let's taunt the killer and let's make them sad so i think it, it's all about what kind of community when you want to belong to what kind of game you want to play uh, I, I i like that difference of uh, allowing various play styles that's cool uh, so again, that's Dead by Daylight. Also, I noticed that you're playing uh, constantly. I, I've watched a few of your streams playing Rocket League. Uh, you're a big <laughs> Rocket League player, right? I, I am. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the easiest game to stream because uh, it's it's old now. It's almost a classic. Someone literally called it a classic in my stream the other day, and I was so sad. <laughs> um, we're not this old already. Uh, yeah. But 
Yeah, but uh, I, I like it. I like the competitive nature. Um, I'm good friends with Psionics. I think they're good people over there. Um, they they support disability rights, and they, they actually added the Able Gamers flag as the very first charity flag that was in that game. And That's I, awesome. Yeah, they're, they're very supportive. I love them for it. And then the game is just cool. If you're into various modes of, of watching cars try to score oversized hockey pucks and soccer balls, it's, it's your kind of game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about on the show about games that you're married to versus games that you date, you know. And uh, Rocket League has remained that game that people are married to. That just it just scratches an itch. You can get in and get out fast. Uh, it's it's fun and remains fun, and and it has such a high skill cap that you can always get better at it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I I always think like it's it's fun. Um, you know, me and my friend Danielle always just have, you know, good times doing that. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of cool ways you can interact with your friends, I think at the same time. Christian, have you, uh, delved, I know you were among the two of us, you were much bigger fan of that game or, or got its hooks into you much more than it did me. Uh, have you played it recently? Yeah, I still probably play it once a month. Maybe it slips to six weeks. I play it pr- primarily on my Switch, um, but it's there. It's always looking at me and I'm like, I should play. And then it slips to six weeks if there's been like a big update because they're so good about keeping that game interesting and updating things. So I'm like, I am going to play it. And then I'm like, I need to download an update. And I'm like, okay, fine. I won't play it. <laughs> I won't play it right now while I update. Um, but it's a phenomenal game and it keeps getting better. And I like the way that they've implemented IPs over the years. Um, yeah. It, it, it again, it, going back to our Borderlands 3 discussion, I kind of want them to make something new because I really like that team and, and what they've done with Rocket League but I don't know what they do. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm waiting for them to do something that just blows me out of the water. It's totally unexpected because rocket league is, is perfect. It's such a great game. Um, that yeah, it, well, it the is tricky funny. Thing there is, is that what makes rocket league perfect is that it's so simple, right? It's a very simple idea done really, really well. And I feel like if you, you know, get it too complex or kind of, you know, try to layer on too much that it, it just breaks what's so beautiful and elegant mm. about it. How do you two feel about the, uh, the fact that you can play with your friends anywhere than the recent friends update they did where you can be on a PC, a switch and a PlayStation all at the same time. Yeah. It's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I love that they were champions of that, you know, trying to get that done before Fortnite was so big that it kind of broke down those barriers, but it's awesome to see them update that game and, and keep that going. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I think that's the future, right? I think in five years, people are going to have a hard time remembering when that wasn't the case. You know, I think that it's going to become so ubiquitous that you can just cross play across any device that people are going to go, oh, yeah, remember when it was really hard? In the same way we, you know, have a hard time remembering, you know, back before online, whatever, you know, things. No, I remember bringing a CRT TV over to my friend's house and multiple Xbox consoles and an 80 foot land cable. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's going to become just required that if you have a game on multiple platforms, you have to be able to play together. Uh, And and I welcome it. I mean, I think it's a, it's just a, a better experience for the end user. So, you know, bring it on. I also think it's just where the, the industry is headed and we're just, it's, we're going to expect it at a certain point. All right. Um, Christian, what is on your playlist, my friend? Well, I know we have a game in common. Do we want to start there or do we want to save that? We can start there if you want. 
Let's start with Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. Um, it came out, I guess, what, earlier in the week, last week. I, I got a review copy. As did um, I. Dude, this is the perfect example of a game that, and I, we talked about this for Halo um, Master Chief Collection or the, you know, the anniversary or like the Gears of War um, remaster, where it's like, I'm playing Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. And it it's Toe Jam and Earl One, like it's it's exactly how I remember Toe Jam and Earl One. I actually went and watched some videos of Toe Jam and Earl on Genesis just to remember what that game actually looked like and played like. But they promised capturing the essence of Toe Jam and Earl One when this thing was kickstarted uh, to bring it to modern consoles and to update it and this that and the other. And I think this game has to be one of the best examples of this is what we said we're going to do. And we 100% did it. Yeah, like, I don't think you should, you should gloss over that fact that, that it was a Kickstarter either because we have many times hammered on all of the big headline games that under-delivered a sure. big Kickstarter promise or are vaporware, you know, these, these big high-profile Kickstarter games that raise a bunch of money and then come out and don't deliver on the, all the big promises they made or disappoint people or just never come out. Here is the opposite example of exactly what you said. They did a Kickstarter. They said they were going to be the original creators of this who were going to make a Toe Jam and Earl for modern systems that feels old school but has all the modern trappings, looks and you know, looks and, and performs Four beautifully. Four player co-op now, all this online. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they did it, right? They they delivered it. it. It took them a while, but they did it, and they raised you know a lot of money. And it seems like all that money is on the screen, right? It it really is a poster child for hey, Kickstarter can work. Yeah, I'd love this to be in Jason Schreier's next book or whatever, right? Like Blood, Sweat, and Pixels too, because I think this game did have an interesting development where it launched on Kickstarter. Then I believe it was Adult Swim Games signed on to publish, and then that went away and they kind of did their own thing and then it was released physically or is being released physically through limited run games but and it took longer than it was originally planned but yes a hundred percent they in my opinion delivered on their promise of what they said this game was going to be when it was launched on kickstarter and it just i mean it is it's 90s nicktoons you know if you don't know anything about toe jam and earl it's 90s rap big chains backward baseball caps uh yeah 90s nicktoons is the best way for me it's just so silly and uh, the sense of humor it wears its heart on its sleeve you're you're it's kind of wholesome in a way i mean there's like scatological stuff there's farting and stuff which, like that but yes. it's basically just goofy like what an eight or nine year old thinks is funny or a 38 or nine year old um, <laughs> And it gets hard. Uh, you know, it, it's still a roguelike and that the levels kind of are different every time you go through them. And you get toward the end of the game uh, or a playthrough of the game, I should say. And the you're c- collecting pieces for your ship, just like you were in Toe and Earl. And all the humans, well, most of the humans are in your way and doing some silly thing. And toward the end, it, it felt kind of like, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. It's not quite a bullet hell, but it had a feeling of that where it's like, the path to move around on this map was very limited. And while it otherwise would be frustrating, it's funny when you're like, oh, I can't go over there because the opera woman will sing and I won't be able to move. Like that's your concern, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, I love, the I dude love, on a Segway is going to run me over. Yeah. Yeah. The Paul Blart mall, mall cop is going to get yeah. me. Um, and again, while frustrating 
I think conceptually maybe it was so charming and how it plays out that your presence, you don't know what they do. So, so you're like, a lot of them are helpful. And I don't know what it is. It feels like a third of them are super unhelpful. And one of them one is like, it yells out where you are. So you're like sneaking around, like through sleeping humans or, you know, whatever it is. I see the piece of the spaceship. I'm going to go get it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this present. It's probably sneakers because every present sneakers. And then it's like, I'm over here. I'm over. And well, I'm like, Son I kind of feel a- like. I, I imagine a large percentage of the people listening to us have no idea what we're talking about. It kind of sounds like nonsense. It is. It. It, it, it is nonsense. It is. You're right. <laughs> but no, maybe it, it would – go ahead, Stephen. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, isn't that kind of the point, though? I mean – Oh, 100%. But I was just going to like maybe backtrack for a second and just kind of – if you've never played Toe Jam and Earl, which you got to imagine a, a lot of people haven't uh, because it's a very old game, 90 – what three two something like that? i wasn't born yet when it came out I don't yeah remember. right sure um <laughs> the the idea of this game is wacky i mean you describe the aesthetic which is you know 80 percent of what's going on anyways the aesthetic of this game but just pure mechanically what you do is pretty <laughs> random you just want i mean the idea is that Toe Jam and Earl are from the planet Funkatron, and they accidentally destroy Earth, I guess? No, they steal their friendship. They crash it on Earth. The pieces are scattered everywhere, and they have but to collect it's not Earth because it's flattened out. It, it, <laughs> it, whatever. It doesn't matter. The fiction doesn't matter. The point is you are on these big two-dimensional maps that you don't know, you know, that are sort of covered by fog of war, and you don't know what's around the corner, and you're exploring – finding presents and you literally don't know what that is. It could be something good. Could be something bad. Opening those presents, which gets you XP running into weird things. And, oh, they're all, one- the presents are also power-ups. Most power-ups. I, I feel like most of them are like spring shoes. They're power-ups that also can create problems. So it's like you get spring shoes and that's great, but you're on a difficult to traverse part of a map. Then you might jump off the map and that's bad or sneakers. And then you'll run in. But so they're power-ups, but there's always a risk reward of one. You don't usually don't know what it is. And two, how it's going to implement when you apply it. There are all these weird characters that you interact with and you get money and you can pay money to do certain things and a lot of stuff. But the game, I'm my question to you, I guess, is if you never played Toe Jam and Earl, do you think you like this game? I, to the person that's never played Toe, Toe Jam and Earl and they're like, I want to know whether it's worth my time and money to play this game. Will I like it? Yes, with the caveat of I never it's it's just a it's a feel good game. It's I don't want to call it cotton candy because it's not quite that disposable. It's definitely not cotton candy. It's more like uh it's more like um exploding cotton candy. It's, it's something <laughs> pop rocks weird. Yeah, pop rocks. That's good. It's something weird in your neighborhood. Uh it it is it's just enjoyable. It's feel it's a good. novelty. Yeah. Yeah. It's feel good. It's a good time. It's you can play it with your kids or, or with your partner. Um, it's funny. You're laughing. I think co-op is where it really shines. That's how it was on the Genesis too, where it's, you, you know, my brother would open a present and be like, well, you have spring. Sh-, you know, you're just, you're, everything is novel and, and silly. It's goofy. Yeah. yeah. It's, I don't know if it's funny. It's goofy. And it wears its heart on its sleeve and it, it doesn't have to be that hard. And it's just a good time. I don't think you'll, you know, be waiting for the bell to ring at school and being like, I got to get home and see what happens on World 7 of Toe Jam. It's not that, but it's just a good time on the couch. And I think I think that's more than enough. So I think if you're on the fence of it, watching a video 
uh, an audio podcast is maybe not the best place to <laughs> picture this game. Watch a video, and then if you it's if that '90s aesthetic speaks to you, that Rugrats kind of mentality um, strikes a chord with you, I think you're going to love it. And if not, and then it's not for you, and that's fine too. That's my opinion. I disagree slightly. I think if if you don't have any nostalgia for this, I don't think you will love it. You may, you may, but. I don't know. This doesn't seem like it was made for people that don't already know Toe Jam. And that's totally fine. In fact, I kind of respect that. Like they, that's what they said they were going to do. They were going to bring this back for the people that have this soft spot in their heart for this uh, cult classic video. game. I mean, it didn't actually do well when it first came out. It It's a cult classic. It's, it's a weird game. Even in its time, it was weird. Um, and I don't know if people who don't have nostalgia for that time period for that specific game series will love it, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't, Steven, did you oh, play the original uh, toe jam and Earl? I did. I love the, the original it was fun. It was goofy. It was wacky. It was, you know, so sitting here thinking about what the words that you guys are trying to, to describe this way. <laughs> trying is the key. Yes. <laughs> you know, what really pops into my mind is, is the game is violent without maliciousness. And, and mm. that's, that's, you know, whenever I'm thinking about a game like PUBG or, or even Fortnite, you know, it's it's murdering with the intent of ending someone else's fun. You know, even in, you know, a Laura Croft or an Uncharted, it's, you know, being mean for the sake of comedy. Uh, you know, attaching balloons to a cow to send them off in an Uncharted kind of way, um, <laughs> which is cool in its own right. Uh, but Togender and Early is, is just a, a fun game. You know, I don't know about you two, but I know in my friend circles, we're constantly looking for a game that is just nonsensical fun, just for the sake of fun. And there's really not a lot of them out there. So I think this kind of fills that niche a little bit. Uh, well said. And and I think that they did a, a really smart thing in leaning so heavily into the co-op aspect because yeah. first Toe Jam and Earl was, was sort of classic couch co-op. And now to be able to do that across the internet and on the couch uh, is great and it's really where the game shines uh you know to be able to play with somebody else and you're exploring one part of the map and there's a whole system for pinging and you know talking to one another one another with within the game that uh, helps with communication so and i think it's toe jam's mom one of the later characters you like high five to give your partner health so it's like you know, great to play with someone who isn't as good at games necessarily. Or, and also what a fun mechanic to give. So you just walk, whoosh, it, it, it fits the world so well. Yeah. And we, you haven't even mentioned how good it looks like it's Toe Jam and Earl was of course a Sega Genesis game. And it, you know, was very pixelated and had, it looked good for its time, but this game is really attractive. I think it's really well drawn. I mean, it's the art is lovely. Yeah, it looks like what I was trying to say at the beginning. It looks like how I remember it looking. Yeah. And then when you look at the original, you're like, oh, the original one looked awful and this looks amazing. But it looks like it looks like those 90 Nicktoons come to life. And I think the way they uh, blend like the sprites or the characters and kind of the 3D world, like isometric view works really well. Um, the animation, like the the loads of the elevator, it's like it's not 60 frames per second. It's probably four, you know, but it's supposed to be like that, right? Like it's like that bow, 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 kind of like harsh animation, but it works really well. Um, yeah, it, it's it, I think we talked about this. We talked about Kingdom Hearts three and some of the other games. It's this game, Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove is a 10 out of 10 Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove game. You know, like, yeah, yeah, you can't, you kind of can't score it in the abstract. It has to be in the context of 
it is exactly what they wanted to make. Yes. And so in that sense, it's uh, top of the score, right? It's it's not going to be, you know, you can't compare it to God of War or something. It's, <laughs> you have to compare it to what it's trying to go for, and yeah, it nails think, what it's going for. I think uh, Christian really hits the nail on the head here by saying it it looks like what you remember it as. I, You know, listen, we all have favorites from when we were kids, whether you're 39, 29, or 19. You have things you loved 10, 20, 30 years ago. But you remember it with updated technology. You don't <laughs> right. remember it how it was, right? I mean, okay, for perfect example, uh, you know, I am a Star Trek fan. I used to love TNG. Best, sure. best Star Trek, in my opinion, that they, they've ever made. Have you ever tried to go watch it? The graphics are garbage. <laughs> I can do better than that with no degree on my computer right now. And But in my mind, when I remember it, it's much, much better. Much, sure. much better. Because your mind fills in the gaps, like, oh, yeah, they have this technology. No, they didn't. Right. So, you know, I think same thing with video games. I think we really, really, uh, in some ways, we're almost ungrateful for how good things look nowadays. Yeah, I agree. That's that's. It's so funny. It's even worse with Babylon 5. Oh, my God. If you go back and watch Babylon 5, you're like, <laughs> they put this on television? But yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, I need to give a quick shout out to MZ Shasta in the chat who did, uh, they commented, God of Earl. Which I think God would be of Earl. That's uh, funny. how you compare it to God of War. <laughs> All right. So, Christian, I know you've played another game that's just brand new. Yeah. Um, Dead or Alive 6 is that game. And um, uh, uh, I'm embarrassed by it. And I so that's I don't want to bury the lead. I'm embarrassed by it. And I know when pre-release for this game, they talked about dialing. Dead or Alive is, has been known for its have been affectionately called jiggle physics, uh, bouncing breasts in an unrealistic manner, overly large breasts that have don't apply to the physics of the body, and something that maybe seemed cute or fun or innocent at one time. I don't know if it ever did. Um, to me personally feels very out of place today in the way that this game approaches it. And while I think it dialed it back some, I think the game is still very problematic in that regard. So I don't want to ignore that stuff. I'll get back to it, but I wanted to make sure I address that up top. All of that said, Dead or Alive has always been kind of the third tier uh, fighting game for me growing up where I was much more into Virtua Fighter or Tekken. And then Dead or Alive was always this fun game I could play with friends that was very fast, but I never super got into the mechanics of the game. I understood it's rock, paper, scissor mechanic of, I think it's like what holds beat punches and kicks, throws beat holds, punches beat throws. I think if I remember correctly that, and that's still how this one felt. And this feels like a dead or alive game. It's still very fast. Um, they added um, uh, the break gauge was added to this, which kind of, as you take damage, it, it fills up and then you can do either. I think it's all of it or half of it, depending. And one is like a break blow where I think I have the name, right? Apologies if I don't. Um, and that can kind of counter anything. So it's kind of a get out of jail free card, so to speak. Um, but you have to time it right. And then, or if you, um, is it R1 on PlayStation? If you hit it multiple times, you'll do a combo that kind of reminds me of the Mortal Kombat X-ray combos where it's like, you know, four or five hits and it's like slow motion and it gets brutal. And, and here you don't see the insides of someone's ribs breaking. It's kind of like a, you'll see their jaw, you know, like, kind of really go as you land a punch to their chin. Um, 
it feels very much like Dead or Alive 5 to me. Like if someone said this was the next iteration of Dead or Alive 5 with slightly uh, shinier graphics, I'd believe it. Um, I think there's two new characters. There's a decent amount of stuff to do for single players. It has a quest mode, which is where most of the unlocking happens. Um, The caveat there is that I don't think you get to pick what you unlock, at least from my experience. It seems like you kind of get rewards and it goes to a random character's costume which felt frustrating to me. Um, if I'm getting that wrong, if I got that wrong, please someone tell me. And cause I would love to be able to pick <laughs> where that stuff goes. And then it has a story mode that will take you a couple of hours to get through. Um, but it's kind of disjointed where it's like different chapters all over this grid and like a new one pops up over here, but then there's another one below you here, but that's a different character story. And then there's like a cutscene, and sometimes it's just one fight, like one round and then another load and another cutscene. Um, so I don't think it compares to what NetherRealm has done with its story, but I, I think it's better than even where Street Fighter V is now in terms of how it kind of presents a story. There's a lot to do, um, but I think it's I think its whole attitude is still very problematic. You can turn off the the breast physics is an option, um, but it's on by default. They have a DLC pack season pass that I believe is almost a hundred dollars, and it's a lot of risque costumes. And it's a super uh, busty character who I think is from a King of Fighters game. Um, And then the character, the unlocks for the characters, it it appears as if, in my opinion, the hardest to get costumes for these characters are the skimpiest and, or, you know, the most revealing. And I think that says a lot about what you're supposed to work toward and what is cool and what is desirable. And so, you know, typically in Fortnite or whatever, and you see this skin that's the very end of the battle pass that you're playing against someone with already, and you're like, oh, crap. (laughs) You know, this person is very good at the game. They're going to be amazing. I want that. I need that. It looks so cool. And Dead or Alive 6, in my opinion, it presents, you know, floss, barely covering nipples and and genitalia and upskirts in the replay mode. There's a free camera. And it's just, it's, I don't know. I think it's poor taste. And well, I know that's kind of what the franchise has, has been built around. Um, I think I'm personally more disappointed in it this time around because it now feels like it was just lip service before the game came out saying, Hey, we've learned from that. This is just going to be a fighting game. And it's not. Um, so that's my, my monologue of dead or alive six. that I'm sure people will get upset with me about, but I, I legitimately, As I was playing it, I think I texted you this, Jeff. I felt embarrassed. My wife was at the table working, and I, I felt embarrassed sitting there playing it. And I play a lot of dumb stuff, and it's uh, yeah, it's uh, disappointing to me. Yeah, I mean, it 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 really is what Dead or Alive is synonymous with at this point. I mean, after beach volleyball, of course, um, that really solidified that that's what this franchise is, but they had the opportunity to evolve. Um, I haven't played the game yet. I'm interested. I got a review code. I should say, sorry, I didn't mention that. I did. I was provided a review code. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested. Did you have any fun with the with the fighting? Was the fighting? I I I really engaging? like their fighting mechanic. It's fast. It's faster than Tekken, in my opinion. It's much faster than Virtua Fighter. Um, and that rock paper scissor mechanic of it that I think I do have right. It's punches, kicks are countered by holds, which is like what they call a parry, and then throws, beat holds, 
and then punches, kicks. And then the break gauge is very interesting because the break gauge, you build it up as you get hit and it can really turn a fight. Um, because if you if you don't guess right, like you really need to vary your punches and kicks because if you're just doing the same thing over and over again, then I know what you're going to do. And it's the fun of playing like rock, paper, scissors gets more fun the more rounds you play, right? Where it ends up being the Princess Bride. Where it's, you know, never play a game of chance when death is on the line. I've got you figured out. And then you don't. Um, right. And the way the break gauge can kind of reset that is is really fun and interesting. Um, but it's just the other stuff. It just keeps hitting me in the head with 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 this problem. It, the costumes rip away in in weird ways. Um, and the story, the cutscenes, I think are probably like two women will like bump into each other, and then like yeah. one will fall down with her legs in the air, and like that's fu- I have two kids. You know what I mean? Like I I get it. <laughs> Your kids I, fall down all no, the time. They bump no, into each other and fall down all the time. I understand how people are made. Is what I'm saying. Um. I, I, but I just feel like, yeah, it was hard for me to distinguish the prob- the problems of the game that I feel are problematic with this just core fighting mechanics. And yes, I understand to the level of a hypocrite I am where I, Bayonetta is a, a, a game that I adore, Bayonetta 1 and 2. I also think it's problematic. I don't think it's as problematic as Dead or Alive 6. Um, but I also realize no one's perfect and I, I can't justify why some things bother me and other things don't i can only tell you how i feel <laughs> right fair enough that's dead or alive six uh which just came out this week uh i want to talk about ape out which it's march but right now it's my game of the year whoa uh, and i think that it might be I, I would be surprised i'm hoping let's put it this way i'm hoping there are games amazing enough to knock it out of my top five at the end of the year but i doubt it i suspect i'll be talking about this again in december and january when we're talking about our games of the year ape out is incredible what are you playing on because it's on switch, switch too right yeah i'm playing it on switch yeah um so, what is Ape Out? Well, it's been described as a, by the developer as a game inspired by jazz, which may not be something that makes you excited to play a video game, but it should. And it's because it's it's not you know you, it, there's a lot of different things you can that can conjure in your mind when you hear the word jazz. Think the movie Whiplash. Uh, it's that kind of jazz. It's like drum staccato rhythmic wait that's uh, just that's Fortnite. that's people telling me i'm not good enough is that <laughs> oh right yeah yeah no it's not not exactly that it's it's that like fast jazz drumming the whole okay so what is the game it, it, the game is a top-down action game where you play as an ape that has been caged and has just broken out and is trying to escape from various facilities each I want to say level, but it's not level. It's they're organized into albums, which again is this jazz aesthetic that is really an interesting prism through which to view this game because the game itself really has nothing to do with jazz. And, but, but it's cool. Like each section of levels, each grouping of levels is, is in an album. And then there's tracks on the album that there are the individual levels. And each album takes place in a different venue that, that you as the ape are trying to escape from. So, Pure top-down, the visual aesthetic is going to be hard for me to describe. You should look at screenshots, but I urge you to just buy this game. Just buy it. It's not very expensive. I think it's $15. Don't watch videos. 
just play it. It will blow you away like it did me, I predict. Uh, I didn't really know much about it before I bought it. I bought it, played it, and I'm so glad I didn't know anything about it because how it sort of reveals itself is so cool. But you are you are an ape. You're, you're escaping from this, this confinement that you find yourself in. And you are trying to get from one end of a level to the other by uh, surviving, mowing down the employees that are trying to stop you from escaping and are trying to shoot you and kill you. And the visual aesthetic, as I was uh, saying, is crazy, but it does an amazing thing of, of sort of giving you a sense of what it might be to be an ape, <laughs> The way the the way the game looks, it's very flat. It's very plain. It's very uh, solid colors. But then there's like sort of a scratchiness to everything. It, it feels like an animal that is scared and fight or flight. It feels like you're in fight or flight through the whole game, which you are. Uh, I mean, you are quite literally trying to escape, and and it, it's a game where. Avoiding enemies is just as useful as is taking them on head on. And so you are this very powerful ape who can fling human beings across a room and slam them into a wall and, and obliterate them in one movement. It, you can grab people and hold them and then toss them and smack them into each other. And just like it is such a – the violence in this game is expressed in such stark terms. It's, it is fast and – uh, spontaneous and explosive and and you you grab a human being and you toss him into a wall and you keep running and you're running and running and, and, you, and another uh you know a military person comes out of an elevator and starts shooting at you and you try to avoid it and you grab another person and you you hold them and they panic and shoot and so they shoot their buddy and everything can die in one quick moment there's no health bars you know you can be you can be killed very quickly very abruptly the game communicates your health in, in a really br brilliant way. If you're shot once, you start leaving bloody footprints to show that you are injured, but you get shot twice and you're basically dead. The game actually reminds me of playing. I mean, we've talked about old school games a lot this episode. It reminds me of playing something like Pac-Man hmm. or Space Invaders. It's that immediate. It's that like you are instantly having fun. You are instantly engaged I, my palms get sweaty playing this game because you – so all the levels are randomly generated, but they're they they are of a theme in the context of the album you are playing. And so, you know, there's like uh, a military um, installation that you're trying to escape from. And I don't want to reveal too much, but like the second one's a high-rise building. And so they're – they have these thematic elements, but the actual specific geometry of each level is random every time you start. So you are panicked looking for exits, running through these areas, trying breaking through glass walls and 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 running through things and grabbing doors and pulling them open and you are madly trying to escape, trying to find the exit before these these humans can gun you down and you are slamming them into walls and they are exploding in in a bloody mess but all in very simplistic graphics. Uh, but it, it 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 does this extraordinary thing of communicating the feeling that I would imagine a caged animal that is broken out would feel. 
the music, the the way that the drumming sounds, the sort of jazz drumming is cued to the things you're doing. You'll grab someone and throw them in and a cymbal will crash as they splatter on the wall. And it'll like, it gets your pulse pounding. It, it makes you feel disoriented and panicked and uh, thrilled at the same time. And there's legit strategy at the end of every time, every time you die, it'll show you a, the little, as you die, it'll show you the, the full map of the level to show you how close you got to the exit. And show you a like a line drawing of the path you took. So you kind of have a sense of how close you got to the end, but then you're right back into the game and playing again. It's addictive. It doesn't feel like any other kind of game. I mean, it it kind of has sort of a hotline Miami or um, there's a few other, you know, top down action games that are fast like that. But the way it gives you the sense of being an ape, the way it visually and auditorially and, Action wise, it, it it puts you in that position. It makes you, I don't know. I'm I'm gushing and I'm kind of rambling, but I I feel very strongly that this game is a work of art and one of the coolest, most interesting games I've ever played. And I think is going to be on my best of list at the end of the year. Epic Rage in the chat said it's by the same developers as Hotline Miami. Yeah, it's by the uh, Devolver, um, and they they do all kinds of of things like this, and you know. The PR people, full disclosure, are friends of mine, and they've been talking for weeks now that they think this is going to be one of the games that people are talking about all year because it is so different. It is it it's not your typical shoot 'em up kind of game. It's it's almost it almost looks like it, it's being shot in in uh, shadows. Almost there's no clearly defined you know graphics. It it almost feels like you're playing Sin City, the video game. It's you know it's. It's this different art style and different gameplay that we're just not used to, and and I I think again it hits that note where people are trying something different, and I think people are looking for different. Yeah, and 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 it's not just different for different sake, right? I, that art style for me really communicates this sense of being this animal and not understanding the human world, and sort of you know you were in the the jungle and then you were brought into this cage and now you bust it out and you're frantically in this crazy weird environment that you don't understand and nothing quite makes any sense. And I don't want to spoil anything for anybody because how this game layers on new ideas as you progress it is one of the most thrilling things about it. But for example, like the lights go out at a certain point and that's, it's crazy. It, it feels like what it must be like if a, you're an animal in the dark and there's things after you. And I mean, it is, and, and then at the end of the each series of levels, at the end of each album, you do actually break out. And that feeling, I won't say what happens, but that feeling of actually getting out is so joyous and simple. But I mean, I, I cannot speak high enough about this game. It is infinitely replayable because of the randomness and it, it, the pickup and playness. Like it, it plays great on the Switch. Uh, it's simple. I mean, there's really only a few things you can do at any given time, but you're, like I said, I get my, my palms get sweaty playing it because you feel a sense like, oh, I'm almost to the end of the level. I'm almost there. And there's a bunch of guys go, oh my God, they got all the elevators, three of them. I got to, and, it, and it, these moments of action just explode and it, it happens so fast. Uh, it's, 
it's quite something. I've never played anything quite like it. It is really amazing. So it's the same publisher as Hotline Devolver, Devolver, as Steven said. But then the developer is Gabe Cusillo. And it looks like maybe it's his second game. So that's awesome. Yeah. I saw an interview with him and he was talking about how he had this idea for this sort of quick flash of, uh, you know, the speed and the, and the flash of action. And, and he's like, this doesn't make any sense for a human to do it. You know, it does, it does make sense for like, you read about these stories where a gorilla gets out of a, a zoo. He's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of makes more sense. And he went from there, but man, it. Do what I want now for this, having just really hearing about it now, I want them to do a, a venom version. Cause this sounds like <laughs> an incredible yeah. venom game to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool that they do it as an ape because it's one of those experiences where I played a video game and I went, man, we got to be nicer to animals. You know, <laughs> it's like this animal I'm playing as an animal that murders hundreds of humans. And I'm like, we gotta be nicer to animals, <laughs> but uh, such is the case. Anyway, that's called ape out. It's on steam. It's on switch. I think those are the only two platforms. I could be wrong, but it is, um, I'm playing it on switch. It is one of those games for 15 bucks. Just trust me, buy it and thank me later. All right, uh, Christian, did you want to mention anything else that you've been playing, or should we move on? Fortnite Season 8 seems fun. I like the changes to the map. Uh, I happen to have some really good games, so I probably won't play it again because I don't want to uh, <laughs> ruin it for me. And then I guess you've been playing more Anthem. We can talk about it if you want. But what Anthem made me do is go back to Destiny 2, and I love it, and I can't stop thinking about it, and it's all I want to be playing. Um, I haven't touched it in a very long time since Forsaken first came out. And now coming back to it, there's a lot for me to do. And their new season starting. And I was curious to see how Bungie taking over the franchise, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I still love I still love Destiny. It's real good. That's all I need to say about it. It's still Destiny, but I, I like it. Still like it. Yeah, I am still playing Anthem. And I like it. I have fun when I play it. So I hope this game sticks around and improves and becomes, you know, Destiny 2 level of improvement over the original type deal. Uh, Depends if they figure out how to reduce loading screens. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that, and let's do that by jumping in to some quick questions. We get quick questions submitted by you, our listeners, and you can send those to our email address, uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com, or by visiting our subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. There's a sticky thread there called uh, Quick Questions 3.0. You can post. Uh, let's start with the first. Actually, we have uh, two from the same person andy tudor sent two excellent ones uh so we're gonna start with this one he says quick question what game game memorabilia or peripheral are you mistakenly keeping a hold of because you think one day it's going to be worth something but that hasn't worked out that way he said mine is a box copy of steel battalion with the insane 40 button controller and a special edition copy of metal gear solid signed by hideo kojima Mm. uh I haven't worn the T-shirt or the dog tags, but but it ain't going to put my kid through college. Uh, Steven, do you have any anything that you've been holding on to, any piece of gaming memorabilia that you think is going to go up in value or maybe is disappointing you that it isn't? You know, it's so, it's so strange because we kind of laugh at this question. And at the same time, last, was it last Tuesday, uh, a Hungry Hungry Hippos game sold for $100,000. Yeah. So, you know, laughing now. Uh, the hungry hippos are. That's who. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So mad when my mom threw out my original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the eighties. Um, but I have, um, I have like a lot of the old boxes, particularly from uh, my early days uh, with Able Gamers. Companies like Blizzard would send us the collector's edition, so I've got like 
the original Diablo and Diablo 2 and World of Warcraft the, uh, the Lich King and in the boxes with their manuals and all that and it, it they don't seem to rise in value ever. No one wants them. I don't know. And I, I, I can't make myself throw them out because I'm like, I know I'm going to throw this out and 10 years later it's going to be worth $3 billion. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess that's the big lie of collector's editions is that no one's collecting them. No, no, no. We're all just waiting for Steven to throw his away. Like that. Yeah, yeah. the, the next day we'll decide it's worth something. We just need to get rid of those one extra copies. <laughs> no, uh, a, fr- a friend of mine once said that collectors are the biggest geniuses in the world because they make their own fake economy. Just, that's true. Yeah, yeah it's true. Christian, how about you? Do you got any uh, any gaming memorabilia that you're just certain is gonna, you know, no. you get a retire on it? No, but I do have. I, I think of it as art, and you need to enjoy it um, for what it is. And if it goes up in value, great. But that's not. You need to be comfortable paying what you pay for it, or keeping it and having the space for it. Uh, speaking of that, what Stephen said, we it, they make their own value. That it is an interesting story about Action Comics and kind of how that hit the values it's hitting. And for years, it it wasn't what it is now right um so look that up on your free time it's really interesting i think and i also think it's uh collector stuff is never valuable for the collector it's always the kid or the grandkid where they're like oh my dad had that my my mom had that oh no it's never you you're never like in five years this is worth a lot it's, it's down the line uh my two that i have here that i can look at i have mario 3 sealed in box not the one of the misprint or like the first run where the bros was in a different space, just the kind of regular one, but I love it. I look at it every day. It brings me joy. And then I also have staying on Nintendo. I have a lot, but staying on Nintendo, I have uh, the first Splatoon inkling amiibos in their box. I like pack of three and they're next to my Mario. And, and I don't care if they're ever worth anything. I, they bring me great joy just sitting there. Jeff, I think you have a house full of this stuff, though. So I'm yeah, curious this is, uh, your this is a, yeah, this is one of those questions that uh, that I could talk about for an hour and a half. Um, it is. Uh, I am. I am somebody that can't get rid of stuff anyway. I have a hard time getting rid of anything because I always feel like oh, I'm going to need that thing right after I get rid of it. Um, but I'm particularly bad because I have, you know, what twelve plus years in the games industry where you go to events and they give you the thing and you, you know, they send you the thing and you go to the, yeah. So I have boxes and boxes of this crap that I move from place to place with me. And I always feel like, Oh, I need to set up an eBay account and sell this. And I'm never going to, I never will. I never will. But I have, you know, like a GTA four full, uh, statue of Liberty that they sent me. I have like a Mortal Kombat 11 hourglass. Well, I think that actually is being sold, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> I, the, yeah. Uh, I, I have a, uh, I have like project Natal memorabilia back oh, when wow. before connect was called connect, uh, which is, it was called project Natal. And I have like these plushies that they made for connectimals before it was called connectimals and it says project Natal on it. And I'm like, Oh, that's going to be worth something. <laughs> I got boxes of this junk and it it just sits in my closet and I'm never going to sell it. And I know it's stupid to hold on to it, but I, I would feel dumb getting rid of it. So we got to start doing uh, our show at UCB again, just so we can give away our yes. gaming memorabilia. We used to do that when we were doing double jump. Uh, I would just bring boxes of stuff <laughs> and give it to people. Maybe that's and the I'm show. Sure. Maybe we just do the show where it's called, uh, you know, we, we'll make it that season two of uh, what's the show called on Netflix. What's your show called? Where, Whatever the 
you know the uh storage wars <laughs> no that brings you joy she had the new york Times. oh, oh yeah yeah uh, marie condos yes yeah. Yeah. yeah we just do that and come to ucb franklin and we'll give away our gaming stuff <laughs> this doesn't bring me joy does anybody want it <laughs> does it give anyone else joy <laughs> uh, question is, how many funko pops do you reach out i actually never got really into funko pop i have to be honest i have a couple but Zero. i don't I, yeah zero I, yeah you're not a gamer get out okay sorry thank you <laughs> thanks for having me it was fun being here are you uh are you buried in funko pops you know i i own a good uh i don't know dozen or so of them that people have given me one one of my friends took a reinhardt and uh painted the hammer gold because my i'm a gold reinhardt on, That's cool. on overwatch um and another one of my friends knows i love porgs from the star wars series and uh for a limited time, Funko put out the foot and a half tall porgs. So on top oh. of my one collector shelf, I have literally a porg that is uh, <laughs> the size of my body. It's yeah, it's <laughs> I don't, it's going to come to life and eat me one night. I think. <laughs> yeah, it could fall and kill someone. It's so big. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is the the second uh, from Andy Tudor. He says, "Quick question: If you could start a game development studio tomorrow, what genre would you tackle first? Bearing in mind." You'll have limited knowledge, experience, tech, middleware, and budget. Would it be a side platformer, a puzzle game, a romance sim? You can't make your dream game yet because you're just starting out. But where would you start? Stephen, what would you do if you were in this situation? I think I would make some sort of choose-your-own-adventure storyline novel. I think Hmm. that... uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think we really tapped into that market much in the in the games industry. I think there's a, a large portion of players out there who really enjoy that kind of, you know, R.L. Stein goosebumps kind of, you know, fluffy, uh, feel good stories. Maybe a little bit of horror, maybe a little bit of romance, depending on you know which genre you want to target. But that kind of you know choose your own almost like the the Bender Snatch from Netflix, only you know maybe done a little bit better. Yeah. Better snatch. My friend calls it. He's like, better we need to yes. make better snatch. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, interesting. Interesting. I, I'd play that. I, I'd be into that. Uh, Christian, how about you? If you're starting out your, your company, what are you going to make? I'm going to abstain. Cause I, I have a game and it is my dream game and you it would make up something else. You don't have to use your actual, I'm book. not going to, well, that's what I'd want to do though. And it's, it might happen. So I'll wait and maybe I'll get to talk about it for real. This is uh, the I've got uh, memorabilia in my closet, and someday it's going to make me millions version of the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have more. I have a pitch deck not, in my closet. I'm not telling you what I'm holding on to because it's going to be worth something someday for me. I have a pitch deck that's it's seen the light of day, Jeff. It uh, might happen. I know. I know. Uh, I'm for it. A game I'm that for it. I wish a game that I wish you or Steven would make. Um, I I want, um, and I know they've kind of done it. But it's the Monkey Island, right? And those games are incredible. And there's been some newer ones. And I don't know if I want those games again or that that thing, but I want that time of my life. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. I want that game. I think that I, maybe this is hubris and biting off more than I should chew, but I, I would make a turn-based, probably role-playing game. But you could, I think you could make sort of a smaller scale turn-based role-playing game. It wouldn't have to be, you know, I'm thinking like Octopath Traveler style or something, something that where the mechanics of the turn-based combat system was what I would spend all my energy on, and and not making you know giant cuts cutscenes or you know big cinematic presentation. It would be more about 
making a really compelling action system in the, you know, a combat system in the, in the turn-based style. Uh, I would, I think I could, I think I could do something like, um, uh, what was that game? Battle Chasers Night War, like Battle Chasers Night War, something like that. Although I know that game is a big production, but I think you could do something on a little bit smaller scale. Anyway. Uh, all right. Uh, we've got another couple. Uh, this is the one I was kind of teasing before. Uh, we got an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com from Ben Harris. He wrote a big defense of Anthem. He was like, I want to defend Anthem. I've been having a great time with it. And he writes about a lot of stuff. Basically, I don't know if he made a very compelling argument. He basically says the load times aren't too bad. The loot is fine and the lack of PVP he's happy with. So he's, I don't know. He's just like, I'm fine with all of it. But the quick question part of it is that he says, uh, I don't understand why people complain about the load times because they're not really any different from uh, Destiny. Destiny just covers it up with pictures of your spaceship. And so my the quick question is, would you rather have a sort of static, something to stare at in a loading screen or know how much longer you're loading? So he says that he prefers just having a bar telling him how much longer he has to wait rather than looking at something that's distracting him and is just arbitrary. So would you rather sit in a, you know, a, a vision of your spaceship without knowing how long it's going to be or know how long it's going to be, but not have much interesting to look at. Steven. Both. Both. <laughs> Both. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the honest answer. It's, it's the cheapest answer I'll take it because there's no reason in this day in technology that we couldn't have a space game with spaceships that has you looking around your cockpit with animated looping graphs in the background that show sort of pretty things for you to look at. And also on the dashboard is a tiny little loading bar that's showing you the progress of how far you're going. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. I think that's probably the correct answer. Christian, I mean, you, all right, everybody, bye. Yeah, I think you, I think you nailed it. Uh, we don't have to choose, right, Christian, I guess? If, yeah, if I did have to choose, I would choose something that makes sense in-game, um, whether it be a spaceship flying, something that fits the narrative. And I, I also question, I don't think the bar at the top of Anthem shows you how much time you have left, because sometimes half of it goes in half a second, and other times the last third takes longer than that. Um, I, I believe way back in early computing, I read too that those things were added much like some crosswalk buttons. Like there's just there for you to have a thing to look at. It's not actually doing anything, but it's like people feel better if they see that. So yeah, Steven's answer is the best answer. Of course it's both. But if I had to pick one or the other, I'd pick the one that maybe makes sense within the narrative. And then while I appreciate this email, I think Anthem's loads are worse than destinies because I don't have to enter a load screen to change my guns. I don't have to enter a load screen to change my helmet. And I don't have to hit a load screen to go from outside, if I'm on a planet, to go from the open world part of the planet into a cave. In an anthem, as it is right now, I have to do all those things. And that's what holds it back for me. Fair enough. Uh, I think the the game... Oh, wait, sorry. Kiefer's in the chat. Loading screen simulator, game of the year edition. That's the game I'd make to answer that's, Andy's that's, Andy's question. I'll make a loading screen game. That's the... Uh, <laughs> that's that's the ensures your company goes right out of business. We made a loading simulator. No? Nobody wants to buy it? Okay. Um, yeah, you laugh about that, but think about the first games that made the, uh, the clicking simulator games where... <laughs> You just you click on a rock, and then the game automatically plays itself for six hours. And you <laughs> Cookie clicker, yeah. Yes, yeah. After the game finishes loading, it just says "game over." <laughs> game over. No, it just has a credits, and it's the <laughs> longest credits ever. 
press any button to start load <laughs> load load credits <laughs> that's brilliant uh, i think the game that did this the best is skyrim uh i loved being able to like look at a 3d rendering of an item and rotate it and it gave me something to do and it was cool i, I just wish there were more of them i feel like i repeated them too quickly but uh, i thought that game did it very well and i think it also had a status bar so it, it was exactly what steven said which is both um all right final one and this one i specifically want to bring up because uh steven was here uh this one comes from jason t he says um i love sitting on my couch with a controller because my work involves sitting behind a desk all day but i'd love to have the comfort of a controller while solo grinding in warcraft my quick question is, what games would you love to be able to play with controller support? And what games do you prefer controller versus accuracy of mouse and keyboard? And I thought it'd be great to have you weigh in, Stephen, and say, uh, what game is out there that uh, you kind of mentioned this with Nintendo, but you would love to have more accessibility support and, and kind of give us a window into what Able Gamers is doing and, and what games are kind of lagging behind in that regard. No, the the great thing about adapters and different controllers is that there are very few situations where you must use a controller or you cannot use a keyboard and a mouse. I can show you how to use a controller on most all games, and I can show you how to use keyboard and a mouse on most all games. It just takes certain softwares like Joyce Key, which translates your joystick presses into keyboard commands, or you can go the opposite way and use a program called a Zim, X-I-M, in order to translate your keyboard and mouse into your Xbox. So um, the, the, the good thing is you don't have to choose right now. I, I realize I keep coming at these questions with the ha-ha, you can do both. Um, but, <laughs> That's um, good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, right now, uh, unfortunately, Nintendo is the only one that's that's sort of uh, keeping those those questions at bay. And, um, you know, I've I've gone head-to-head with Jeff Kaplan over Overwatch, you know, when they're coming out and trying to say that, you know, keyboard and mouse is, is, is overpowered and you can target things too easily. And, you know, um, I, I think here's my point. Well, I, I was thinking this earlier, um, you know, when Christian was talking about, you know, games that make him uncomfortable and assuming that Jeff was going to be like, Steve, what do you think of this? And, and, you know, my answer is always the same. I personally, I don't yuck anybody's yum. If you enjoy something, whether that's a certain kind of game you know you want to play a laser shoot larry you want to play you know uh, something with a controller you want to play with a keyboard if that's your deal then i think you should be able to do that i think the part where we went wrong somewhere in the early 2000s was this console versus pc mentality that we got where it's like Haha, pc master race <laughs> consoles are the best pc boys suck it's like why 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 do we why do we have to live in this culture where in order to like one thing you have to hate the other let's just all agree that we like different things and that's okay very cool i agree christian anything you want to say about that i prefer to this question i i I prefer a controller um just because my i've never taken the time to become proficient with my wasd hand um i i fumble around and hit the wrong key and i grew up playing on controller so that's where i'm most comfortable given the option um that's what i would use yeah i tend to prefer a controller as well and uh i've there was a a, a moba that came out 
oh gosh, years ago now that was a Lord of the Rings MOBA that was built for controller that I it was actually the first MOBA I ever played that I really dug because it's like, oh, direct control of the character. It felt like what they did with Diablo, bringing Diablo to a controller, you know, for PlayStation. It really just made more sense than click, 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 click. Um, but then I, you know, and then I fell in love with Heroes of the Storm and learned to love the click, click, click. But, you know, I always thought a mobile on, on, with a controller would be a, a smart way to go. Uh, but, I, you know, I've talked about being left-handed and just how, uh, you know, I tend to just prefer a controller so I don't have to deal with all that stuff. But then mm. Steve is like, no, there's ways around it. And I'm like, oh, I'm just lazy. I'm just lazy. Um, they're, they're really hidden. I mean, they don't, the yeah. games industry doesn't talk about how you can do these different things. Um, you know, uh, personally, I just think it's, it's, it's kind of sad that at some point as a community, the game industry decided that we would bring our, entire space in the world down to factions of people and yeah. divide them and you know i like this you like that when you know it's possible to do everything you don't you know you don't have to choose one over the other and and it all comes down to me for immersion right uh you have you had this mistaken this misguided opinion by some very high executives in the ivory towers of the game industry saying uh we must make sure that they can't tell they're actually on a couch playing a video game. We're going to make sure they think they're in the TV screen. And no, dude, nobody's nobody's <laughs> actually thinking there's Zelda swinging the sword. Um, you know, it, actually, uh, famously, because uh, I've told the story many times, uh, I, I had a confrontation with ArenaNet over Guild Wars when I was telling them they needed to make the camera speed faster for those people who couldn't control something as slow as they were trying to make it and their answer to me was well it would affect the immersion so we have to leave it slow and difficult to move i'm like no you don't that's that's just crap you just don't want to there's there is no one out there who's like you know why i like this video game because i have to move my mouse halfway across the desk (laughs) it's just not a thing so yeah i think i think it was misguided and i think that we're coming around from that now just like the sorcerers have to do, they have to move their mouse across the hole. Yeah, this is the way the Merlin did it. So now we're gonna do. Something. Yeah, yeah. It just breaks the immersion of being a fake thing that never existed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well said. Um, awesome. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode. We do have uh, our parting get coming up. But again, if you want to submit quick questions in the future, you can send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or visit our subreddit five by five dlc.reddit.com. But stick around for those parting gifts. But Stephen Spawn, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure having you. Oh, thank you so much for the invite. I appreciate all of you uh, putting up with my shenanigans and uh, distracting from the technological conversation between Jeff and Christian. Thank you both for having me. Oh, your shenanigans are the best part. That's that's why we invite you is for your shenanigans. Uh, can you tell people where they can keep up with you and your streaming and all the things that you do online? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you want to hear more musings about the way that the world should work, and as I make my pivot from uh, uh, gaming to life coaching, uh, you can catch up with me on twitter.com slash steven spawn spelled like a baseball player not like the comic book and uh you can catch me on twitter steven spawn spelled like the comic book not like the other one my friends thought it was hilarious to make my name steve in spawn um so that's what i went with uh and you can always catch uh able gamers the great company that i work with uh to help players with disabilities be able to play games no matter what there's up to 42 million players with disabilities in the world with disabilities you should think about uh, supporting them any way you can. You can learn more, ablegamers.org or ablegamers on any social media channel. 
Very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Dude, first softball game. We had our first practice. Oh, man. Things went not perfect. Um, <laughs> I heard there was a potential injury uh, that happened. She's fine. She's, talk to the parents. She's fine. We got another mm-hmm. practice uh, coming up this week. We got our Christian first- is coaching. You should make that clear. You're coaching yep. little little. Little league, little, little league softball. My daughter's yeah. first time playing. Uh, my first time coaching. We're we're in it together, and our first game's coming up this week. So that's not something that you can come. I, mean, I guess you could come watch. That's weird. I'm not going to tell you where. We're, that seems that feels weird to me. But that's what, what I have going like on this 300 week. Three hundred people that showed up to watch <laughs> the league softball game. True story. When I was in college, I my freshman year, I went to SMU before I transferred to Rice in Houston. Uh, and a buddy of mine on the track team, there was like a little league field right near us, and they were um like uh. Uh, ch- challenge division like um traveling division whatever that was called there um it's like really good middle school kids and we, we started going to all the games and we started like making baseball cards for them uh we got like really into it and then the parents <laughs> they were like stop what do you know how creepy this looks and we we're like what <laughs> i like I, go I, home and play dead or alive the video game and stop being so creepy <laughs> it's like we hadn't thought about it but we were like saying they'd be like oh yeah brandon's up oh he's 280 betting 286 this year <laughs> we got real into it but that's what's going on for me this week that's nothing that that you can see or do necessarily but <laughs> i'm sure i'll i'll tweet out how we do um so you can follow me on twitter at spicer and what I the, straight- what's the name of the team so we can all root we haven't picked it yet we're, we're gonna pick it the, i'm gonna let the kids pick it we get to pick their own uh it's been thrown I out like right it's day one you gotta pick the name well, day one. To, we've only had one practice and i told them to think about it for a week what was thrown out immediately was um sparkle pants which i liked oh, all right well done and done and Sold. i also like i also like strong hearts so sparkle pants strong hearts why choose <laughs> why choose do the uh, steven do the spawn steven, approach yeah. you just do both <laughs> <laughs> yeah to take both uh and then i usually i stream this show it's typically sundays at 7 15 p.m pacific time which is twitch.tv slash christian spicer jeff what about you well, I do another podcast all about movies and TV shows. That's uh, called the Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. This week we are talking about – oh, we're doing um, Shoplifters, which is an interesting Japanese film. Um, but check that out over at slashfilmcast.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And again, if you want to email us for any reason, ask a question, make a comment. We love hearing from you. Do that at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, let's wrap the show up with our parting gifts. Steven, do you have a suggestion for something to help people get through their week? Uh, you know, I always like pizza. Pizza always helps me get through my week. <laughs> That's a good suggestion. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, if we're talking about just, uh, random things, uh, you know, I, I have actually been enjoying the, the Netflix series Umbrella Academy. That's been, uh, my go-to guilty comic book movie pleasure for the week. Yeah. I heard it just got, a, a green lighted for a season two. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. A lot of people aren't digging it, but you know, I, I like the, the kind of nutso nature of it. It's not like anything else that's, that's been on comic book. Uh, or we, let's face it. We have comic book saturation right now between Marvel and DC. So it was like, Oh, is this going to suck? But now it's actually, it's, it was sort of like, what if there were a couple of real superheroes and how messed up would their lives be? Turns out a lot. <laughs> and for a TV show, man, the the effects of the the digital monkey are real good. 
I, I'm telling you, I, I wish I had biceps the size of my head. Jeez, oh, man. <laughs> Uh, all right, Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? If you happen to be here, I'm holding it up. I got my 8-Bito Genesis controller. It is the M30, and it kind of looks like a mix between a Genesis 6 button and like the feel of a Sega Saturn. Um, I, I love it. I think it's beautiful. It feels good in the hand. I'm very excited now. My analog um, Genesis should be getting, I think they, they ship in April. So that's what I got this for, and uh, toyed with it some, but its real purpose is going to come when that when the analog shows up. But it's nice. Ipido, I love, I have their Super Nintendo one. I'm a big fan of their controllers, and I really like the way this Genesis one feels. It's the 8-Bido M30. My favorite thing about when you actually have something in your room is that I can hear you turn away so that you can grab it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's great. <laughs> great for audio. Great for audio. Well, if you can uh, hear it, then it is good for audio. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us by Aaron Trayan, who is at GameJumperX on social. Uh, Aaron says, <clears throat> I love DLC and all your guys' wonderful content. I have a parting gift for everyone. Not sure if it's been mentioned before, but Jonathan Mann has been doing Song a Day for 10 years, where he writes, records, and uploads a song each day, no matter what. He's an amazing talent and truly inspirational. One of his latest songs slash videos is all about the show The Good Place, and it's absolutely amazing. I hope you guys will check it out. Google Jonathan Mann, M-A-N-N, to find his songs. They are delightful. I can second that. Uh, thank you, Aaron, for sending that in. If you want to have your parting gift on the show, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send it. Uh, my parting gift is the movie Free Solo, which I just watched for the first time. It won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. It is incredible. It is the, the story of a an insane person uh, who decides to climb mountains without any safety equipment. And uh, it's... Uh, hard to watch at parts for me, even though I knew the ending. Uh, I knew, you, you know, I knew what was going to happen, but it's still, it's like heart in my throat type stuff because he climbs El Capitan in Yosemite, which is, had never been done uh, by a person without any safety equipment. Uh, and the way it is shot is unbelievable. The look into the, the circumstances surrounding that feat, his girlfriend and and she's just like the sweetest thing who deserves way better than this guy who's just trying to kill himself. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the, the people that film it knowing they could be filming this guy plummeting to his death, which is just like hard to wrap your head around. Uh, it's an extraordinary experience and uh, beautifully shot. So I, I saw it streaming. I think I got it on voodoo, uh, but it's, it's a movie called free solo. Highly recommended. It's, it sounds amazing, but as somebody who has never walked and always used the power wheelchair, I'm just saying uh, to you able-bodied people who want to climb up a mountain with no safety equipment, I think I think you're wrong. I think there's better things. Walk on a beach. Go pet a cat. Like There's so much better things you can do with your ability to walk than climb up a mountain with no safety gear. You know what? I'm going to agree with that wholeheartedly. I think this guy is very dumb. But yes, uh, I, <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Steven Spawn and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us in real time. We appreciate you guys being there and contributing to the show, making it better. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. And thanks to all of you who listen. We appreciate you. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.